So this is the final week in the series called Soul Detox, based on my new book by that very name, Soul Detox, Clean Living in a Contaminated World. Uh, the title of today's message is The Seduced Soul. And what I want to say as we get into this message is I, I want to just um, stop for a moment and tell you that sometimes the messages that we need to hear the most are the most difficult for us to recognize personally. And I think this is gonna be one of those messages, which quite honestly, it's a message that's gonna be easy to do what I call just to shake off, to, to brush off, to say, okay, yeah, that was, that was good and everything, now let's go on with our lives. And what I wanna do is just um, tell you, and, and even more so, just really beg you to ask God if there's something significant that he wants to show you that your hearts would be open to hear it. Um, and so I just even want to pray because I really believe this is a weighty and important message, and I hope that you don't just brush it off and go on. Is that fair enough? Okay. So God, I, I pray today that your spirit uh, would have free reign in our hearts. God, for those who know you, I pray that we would be open to uh, your loving conviction to draw us even closer to you. And God, for those that don't yet uh, know you personally, God, I pray that this message would rock their souls in a way that would create a divine hunger for uh, you, the only one that truly satisfies our soul. So God, we ask you to do a work in us today. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody who agreed said, amen. okay, man, just remember you said amen. So let's do this, all right? Um, uh, some people have been saying, hey, where do, where do Buki stories? Okay. If you're new with us, I've got six kids. My fifth child, second son, his name is Stephen, but we call him Buki. And everybody seems to like the Buki story. So I'm going to give you a classic Buki story. Okay. Uh, when Buki was about 18 months, maybe two years of age, um, he had this crazy experience. Buki loved rattles as a kid, you know, like baby rattles. He just, and he just played with those little rattles like crazy. Well, one day I heard him out on our front porch squealing in sheer delight. He was going, <laughs> and, and then I looked out the window and he'd kind of jump, this giddy, and he'd go, <laughs> and, and he just was, it was, <laughs> and he was going crazy. And so I came outside, I was like, Buki, what's up, my man? And he's like, <laughs> and, he, and he looked down and he just, he said, my friend, my friend. Well, when I looked down at his Twinned, the, his friend, the thing that was bringing him such delight, it was actually a living rattlesnake right there on my front porch, and evidently he was overwhelmed with the wiggling and the rattle on the end of this venomous snake's tail. And so I kind of panicked and dove on him and did a power roll and took Buki away and prayed for wisdom from on high as to what to do with a rattlesnake on my, my front porch. And it was so interesting to me how my little child was seduced into loving something that was ultimately very, very dangerous to him. 
And that's what I want to talk about today, the reality that so many of us are seduced into settling for and even pursuing things that are dangerous to us. And I want to talk about the sin of idolatry. Now, why is this so important? If you missed the last few weeks, kind of our key thought is this. Those of you that know it, hey, let's just say it aloud. Uh, we are not a what, everybody? We, we've learned that we are not a body with a soul, but instead, what are we? We are actually a soul with a body. And that may take a minute to sink in, but it's rather important. Whenever we die, our bodies die, but technically we don't die. We continue to live. We're actually not a body. Our body is a house for who we are. We're really a soul. We're a soul with a body. And so a lot of times we talk about detoxing our bodies, which I think is important. Uh, in this time, we're talking about having a soul detox. And I want to talk about detoxing from those idols that seduce us so subtly. Uh, scripture says this, the very first of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 3 and 4, the very first one God listed is, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a what, everybody? You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything, nothing at all in heaven above or the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything. Why is it that our souls are so vulnerable to worshiping and being seduced by idols? It's because our souls are created to connect with and worship the one true living God. We are worshipers. Worship isn't something that we do, uh, we are created to worship. And anytime our souls are filled with anything but God, our souls are drawn to and seduced by those counterfeits, and that's why so many of us can have our lives full of so many things, and yet we're empty on the inside because all the things of this world cannot satisfy the soul that was created to be satisfied satisfied by the one true God. That's why God said, you shall have no other idols, nothing to put before me. In fact, I love the way it said in Deuteronomy 4, verse 16 and following, Scripture says, so do not what? Everybody say it aloud, all of our churches. So do not corrupt yourselves by making a what? By making an idol in what? In any form, whether, and then here's a long list, and I like this, whether a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground, a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the forces of heaven, let's say this phrase aloud, what does the word of God say? Don't be what? Don't be seduced into worshiping them. Now, that phrase is so important because, let's be honest, most of us aren't going to choose to worship an animal that scurries along the ground, or a small animal that scurries along the ground. Most of us just by nature aren't gonna go out and go, oh, star in the sky, I bow down to worship you. We're actually seduced into worshiping something that is not the one 
true God. Because let's be honest, I mean, when, when I look at the idolatry of the Old Testament, it looks rather pathetically stupid to me. I, I, I think, okay, they, they were dumb enough to worship a golden calf. How dumb is that? Hey, none of us are going to worship a golden calf or, or some kind of a, a pole or a little figurine or, or the, the stars. And, and we I would never worship that. That's, that's, that's just irrelevant in our world today. We don't battle with the sin of idolatry. And the reason we don't recognize it is because we're seduced into it and we cannot even see our idolatry in the mirror, we've been seduced into worshiping a counterfeit. Let me give you an example, and hopefully that'll, this will make some sense. I had a friend that um, went to a, a remote village in India where they had none of the luxuries we have, and he met this lady who was actually sacrificing chickens to some god on this altar. And she's like, you know, this is her, and it's, you know, she's raising the chickens just to sacrifice, and he's like, wow, I've read about this. I've, you know, heard about this, and now that is the real thing. I mean, there is idolatry at its most obvious place as she's worshiping these chickens to, to sacrifice them. And he got into a conversation with her and found out she had actually visited my country, uh, the United States, and he said, hey, how, how'd you like it there? What was it like? And she said, oh, I hated it with all my heart. It was the most disgusting place I've ever been. I will never go back to your country ever again. And he said, what was wrong with it? What did you not like about it? She said, it is the most idolatrous nation on the planet. She said, you all worship your stupid idols. And he said, no, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Dead chicken, altar, blood, sacrifice. Said, We're not idolatrous. He said, what, what do you mean by that? She said, oh, you, you have so much idolatry everywhere. She said, for one thing, you all worship your stomachs. He said, what do you mean? She goes, well, let's just be honest. Most of you are overweight. Why? Because food is your God. You talk about it. You dream about it. You're consumed by it. You've got mega stores with aisles and aisles of food to make you fat. Every corner has multiple restaurants all over, and all you do is eat the things that make you fat, idolatry. She said, and your whole you know, uh, sports thing, she said it's pathetic how you got multi-million dollar facilities, and then you fat people dress up in someone else's uniforms and paint your faces and go and cheer as if you could really catch a ball. It's idolatry. And, and then she said, in your homes, you, you have your little altar of worship. He said, what, what do you mean? She said, you take this, this, this thing and put it on the wall that, and you plug it in and then you put all your chairs around that television and you align your whole house and your family gathers together and you just worship for hours at a time that thing that comes out of the screen. And my friend, and I'm struck even by the irony of the story that she couldn't see her idolatry and so often we can't see ours. We've, we've been seduced into elevating even what might be good things to become supreme things, and without even knowing it, we lift things above God in our own hearts. We've got a seduced soul. Now, Jesus asked this question. 
He said, you want everything? You want to go get all these things? He said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet what? And yet forfeit his soul. It's time for a little soul detox. Now, what we're going to talk about is some, some fairly weighty stuff, and I want to really kind of go slow and pray. I'm just praying like crazy that the Spirit of God would do something um, inside of all of us, and let's talk about how do we dethrone the false idols of our soul? How do we dethrone those things that have seduced our souls? The first and most obvious things we need to do is we need to learn to identify the idols of our souls. What, what is it that we have elevated to a supreme place and something that really ranks higher than the one true God in our life? Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4 asks the question, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? In other words, who can be in his presence? Who may stand in his holy place? Well, the answer is he who has clean hands, and a pure heart, and one who does not what? Everybody, let's say this phrase aloud. One who does not lift up his soul to an idol. One who doesn't lift up his soul to an idol. Now, here's the challenge. What we're going to talk about is, is very easy to justify and rationalize and bring all sorts of excuses as to why some things aren't idols. And the reality is we can have some interest and some hobbies that are not idols, but I'm guessing in almost all of our lives there are these things that have become so important they're actually very, very dangerous to our souls and we don't even realize it. So what I want to do is give you three different uh, kind of things you can look at to see am I idolizing something. And what I would do is I would encourage you to look at how you spend your time, how you spend your money, and what you talk about, your conversation. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? And what do you talk about, your conversation? And if you find that the vast majority of your time is always kind of focused on the same thing, or if you look at your bank account and you realize, man, I'm spending a lot of money in a certain direction, and, and none of it or very little goes to God or to helping people, but it's all going toward this thing. Or if you find yourself in conversation with people, and the conversation always drifts in one way to your favorite hobby or this, and because if God's really important to you, let's be honest, your conversation will drift to God. Your conversation always drifts to what is most important to you. And if it's always drifting away from God to something else, that may be worth paying attention to. Now, I don't know what it might be for you. It could be, I think for some people, we literally are seduced into um, almost worshiping our homes that we live in. And there's nothing wrong with having a nice home, but for some, I mean, it's all about the home. I mean, it's like this obsessive research and find the perfect this or that or whatever. And it's that we're, we're the yard of the month all day long, baby, and proud of it. It's, you know, you're coming over to my house and it's the smell, the look, and everything's there. And we're consumed with our homes. For some, it's their image, man. I'm talking about it's the tan, it's the look, it's the hair, it's the perfect little piercing here, it's the, it's the shoes and the purse and the da and the da da da, da you know, and the da da da, da and, you know, and on and on and on. And it's all about what do, you, what do you think of the way I look? For some, it's our children, which unquestionably are important, but our whole lives 
revolve around to the point that we're kind of bowing down and worshiping our children who should be important but should not be elevated to the supreme place in our lives because if we don't know God personally, we can never give our children what they truly truly need to become who they're supposed to be. It could be uh, hobbies. I mean, you know, whatever Saturday, whatever never gets in front of your Saturday thing. I mean, you haven't missed this thing in forever, but getting to church is kind of a, well, if we can. You know, uh, for some, I honestly think a lot of people uh, idolize their uh, kind of online identity. It's how many Twitter followers do you have? And I've got more. Did you see how many people retweeted me? Oh, God is so good today. You know, and I put that on Facebook and I got seven likes. You know, and, and I mean, there are some of you, and I don't, I don't want to be rude, but, you know, if this is your most common posture, the thing you do with your body most, <laughs> Pinterest. <laughs> and you've got four people sitting around you, and they're all doing this. It could be you have a dysfunctional relationship with your phone. <laughs> right? It's like, it's like, it's, it's an idol. It's something that is so important. And it, it could be any number of things. I mean, it could be, you know, our pursuit of success in a career. It could be our pursuit of wealth. It, you know, it's, it, it could go on and on. And what I want to do is ask you to look and be really, really honest. In fact, I'm gonna ask you to um, talk about this beyond our time together with your mentor, with your close friends, with your family, with your life group, and really talk about what is or what am I putting ahead of God? Name your idols. I'll just be real transparent with you. A couple things that I idolized for too much of my life. One was I idolized the people, uh, the opinions of other people. I wanted everybody to like me. When I went into ministry early on, I was like, hey, am I a good pastor? Am I a good pastor? I mean, did I do good? Did you like that story? You know, am I, am, I, am I doing a good job? Do you like me? Well, God has since beat that out of me with all of you, and I realize not everybody's going to like me. In fact, if 33% of the people like me, that's probably a pretty high approval rating, and I've also recognized for me to fulfill my calling, everybody cannot like me, and I'm not called to live for the approval of people, but instead for the approval of God, and I had to dethrone thrown that idol in order to do what God called me to do. Uh, another, another idol for me um, was the, uh, the false god of security. Okay? I wanted to have no debt and then enough money saved up to feel secure. You know, I've got no debt and $1,000 in the bank or, or whatever, and I recognize that I can't have enough paid off and enough in the bank to feel secure because I'm putting my heart in something that cannot satisfy. God has to be my security, not my financial position. And I realize that is idolatry to me. And what I want to do, and the reason I ask you to pray, is to really take a very humble and sincere stance before God and say, God, what, what is it? Where have I been seduced in my soul and I don't even see it. Once you identify this could be an idol, I've been seduced in my soul, Scripture teaches us, number two, to tear down our idols. 
And what we're going to watch is God doesn't ask us to manage our idols, but to tear them down. He, he never says tolerate them. He's going to show us to obliterate them. I mean, we're talking get rid of anything that is more important to you than the one true God. And that's what God told Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 25, when the people were worshiping all these false gods and bowing down to the idols. God says, tear down your father's altar to Baal, the false god, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. And there's this, there's this sense of righteous anger. It's like, rah! And he goes, and he massively rips these things down and says, I'm not going to let anything stand between us and God. And there's this real sense of, of a divine calling. I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. And, and you have to get that stance because if you just try to manage it, it will continue to seduce your soul. I had a conversation years ago with a guy who was kind of bragging on his financial blessings. He was saying, God has blessed me, and he was throwing out numbers and all this stuff, and, and God has blessed me with all this money. I was like, man, I bet you just feel a real weight of responsibility to, to steward that and to give, don't you? And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm not into giving. No, wait, 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 wait. Back, back up the tape. You said, God blessed you with a lot of money and you're not into giving. He said, no. I said, you don't tithe? He said, no. I said, you, you don't give, to, give offerings? He said, no. He said, I don't. I said, why not? He said, because I love money. I go, am I hearing this? He said, explain that to me. He goes, I love it. I love the way it makes me feel. I love what I can buy. He said, I love money. I said, okay. You said, God gave you all this money? Yes. Do you know what God's word says about the love of money? He said, yes. I said, what are your thoughts on that? He said, I don't care, I just love money. And as, as shocked as I was by that conversation, my greatest fear is that that's what a lot of you are gonna do today as we talk about this. You're just gonna say, hey, that's my thing, and I don't really care. I just love it. It could be you know, your kid's sports. I mean, let's, I mean, let's go for it, baby. I mean, it's all about you idolize your kid's sports activities. And let's be honest, you got to have your three-year-old on the traveling polo team or he might not make the 2032 Olympics. I mean, let's just be honest. But, you know, I mean, you're, you're all up into it and your lives revolve around it and, and the message you send to your kids is that is more important than your relationship with God. But I don't care because we're all about little Johnny's polo. You know, or for some, it's the career. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm giving my family more by, by making more. I'm going to be more successful. And, and I know that my teenage daughters need me, but, you know, I just don't have time right now because I'm building this empire of success, and I want more. And I don't care that my marriage is screwed up. And I don't care that my kids are in trouble because I want more. It's my idol, and I love it. I just love it. Or, or for some, man, I mean, it's just this whole pursuit of material things, right? I mean, you know, just look, just look at our nation that can't live on what they make but have to borrow more. Why? Because I want more. It's going to make me happy. The car, the house, the trip, the shoes, the purse, the boat. If I just, I, I don't care that I'm in debt. I want more. And what we don't understand 
is we've been seduced, you see, into worshiping a counterfeit, something that never satisfies. And so we wonder why our lives are so full and our souls are so empty. That's why when Jesus came across a guy who idolized his money and things, this is what Jesus said to him. Mark 10, 21. Jesus looked at this guy and loved him. Do you understand? God loves us. When he asks us to to, to tear down our idols, it's not because he doesn't want us to enjoy life or have nice things. He didn't want things to have us. Jesus talked to the guy. The guy said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, follow the commands. He said, I've done all that. But Jesus knew he loved his things more. He looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Jesus loved him. He loved him enough to tell him, you're, sat- you're settling for a counterfeit. Your soul has been seduced. Well, if you read on in the story, the guy was basically like the guy I told you about earlier who said, I love my money. He, he, scripture says he went away sad because he had great wealth. He loved his idol, and he didn't care. He was seduced into settling for a counterfeit. He was seduced. Now, I've heard people say, well, Jesus never really meant for you to sell everything. I mean, Jesus would never ask us to do that today. And I believe with all my heart, Jesus wouldn't ask you to do that unless it was an idol to you. And then he's gonna ask us to tear down anything in our hearts and lives that are more important to us than him. And I don't know what that looks like for you, to tear it down, I don't don't know. Um, I'll give you an example of what I did when I was a brand new Christian and I realized there was something more important to me than God. I was radically forgiven, completely transformed, but I still had the residue of my past life and I for years was consumed with kind of my dating life and you know, I always had, always had a girlfriend and usually one or two spares just in case, you know, I got dumped or something didn't work out. And that was, my identity was wrapped up in that. And I came to realize that is more important to me than God. And so um, for uh, almost two years, I stopped dating in order to put God in the most important place. And I'm not telling you, hey, you go stop dating. No, you know, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that's what I had to do to dethrone those idols. And, and I've talked to so many people who've done amazing things, radical things. People who were obsessed with their online personality, deleted their Twitter account and their Facebook page because it was just all-consuming. And so I'm not gonna have it. Um, one family um, realized they weren't going to church because they were always at the, uh, the games with their season tickets and at their lake house. So they sold their tickets and their lake house and said, we're not gonna let something be more important to us than God. I know, um, Two families that realized they were in front of the television all the time, and so they didn't get rid of cable or satellite. They got rid of their televisions and said, we're, we're going to have a family, and we're not going to be consumed by this box. I know uh, one guy who was very successful in his business but was failing as a dad and left his business to go be a, a, a basketball coach for sixth-grade kids so he could have time raising his kids because he realized he only had one chance. So I don't know what it would mean for you, but if there is something that is more important in your soul than the one true God, tear the thing down. Tear the thing down. And then what do you do? 
Well, now there's space in your soul. Well, the next thing we do is we fill our souls with God. And let me give you three verses. I want you guys to help me out with these verses, if you will. Uh, Psalm 84, verse 2, my what? Everybody, everybody, all of our church is allowed. My soul yearns, even what? Even faints for the courts of the Lord. It's my soul. It yearns for God. It desires God. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Psalm 107, verse 9, for God satisfies the what? He satisfies the longing soul. Who satisfies it? God satisfies it. And the hungry soul, God does what? God fills with good things. Psalm 142, 1 and 2, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my what? So my soul pants for you, O God. What happens? My soul thirst for the living God. Let's be honest for a moment. The language we read in those verses, most of us, we don't use that language for God, do we? Most people don't say, my soul yearns for God, faints for God, hungers for God. When do we use that language? We often use it for the things of the world. My, my soul longs for more things, faints for more things, needs more things. I crave more of what this world has to offer. If we're not using this language for our God, our soul has been poisoned by false idols. Our, our soul should cry out for the living God because he is the one who satisfies. Think of it this way, Max Lucado told a story, um, and I'll tell it my way because Max is a great guy, but his story was a bit dry for my taste. <laughs> Once upon a time, there's a fish in the ocean. Someone put the fish on the sand and the fish didn't look happy. So they gave a fish a nice fish house and a big wad of cash and asked the question, is the fish happy now? What do you think? Answer, no, because what's the fish gonna be doing? The fish is gonna be doing this thing with his little gill going <laughs> Right, right? So they said, well, fish isn't happy. Uh, let's give the fish a Corona and a Playfish magazine. <laughs> so the fish can go check out the tail on that fish. Now, that's the part Max didn't say. I added that part. So the fish is drinking a beer, checking out naked fish. Is the fish happy? No. Oh, why? <laughs> Give the fish anything and everything, and the fish is not going to be happy. Why? Because the fish was not created for the beach. The fish was created for the water. If your lives are empty, Lower your expectations of what you hope to get out of this world because you were not created for this world. You were created for the kingdom of God and his glory and your soul will never be satisfied by anything that this world has to offer. You have no idea how much I pray to God this gets through. Maybe because I know it needs to get through to me because I don't want to be seduced. I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle for anything less than God's best. In fact, um, some music's gonna play in, in just a moment and I'm gonna give you a, a chance to let your, your, your soul detox, to be honest and, and to look with integrity at anything that you might be elevating to the supreme place before God. And the words that go to this old classic hymn will be words I pray happens in our hearts and that is turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Take a moment to detox 
your soul in prayer in the presence of God. Father, I pray that in your presence, the power of your Holy Spirit would pierce our hearts with truth, and God, that we would be transformed. As you're praying today at all of our different churches, nobody looking around, here's, here's what I want to do. I want you to, I want to ask you a question and not try to settle all these problems in a 30-second prayer, but what I want to do is ask you, if you'll make a commitment, and, and here's my ask, to take what God wants to say to you and extend it beyond just this time, and, and make a commitment to talk this over with um, family, with friends, with your mentor, with your life group, and, and just be real honest and, and invite others into um, a, a, a self-examination of anything that we might be putting before God. And then when you do that, what I'm gonna do is just ask you to commit to be real prayerful. What can you do to tear it down? And how can you replace what you've been seeking with a true passion for the one true God. I know that's a, a big ask, but I'm telling you, it's, 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 um, there are big consequences. All of our churches, those of you who would say, yeah, well, I'll take this seriously, and um, I'll, uh, I'll move beyond just this time together, and I'll talk it over with those I love, and prayerfully and seriously take it before God and do what God leads me to do. Would you lift up your hands right now if you'll make that commitment? God, I thank you so much for those who... Um, for those who truly desire to put you ahead of the things that seduce our souls. And God, for those who aren't there yet, I, I just, I pray, God, that, that um, the emptiness of the things of this world would overwhelm them so that they would truly know the beauty of you filling our soul with the good things, God. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, I know um, so many of you, if you're really honest right now, you'd have to say, um, my life is full of so many things. My soul is so empty. Why is that? We're, we're, we're seduced into thinking that all the meaning and purpose in life is going to come while we're a fish on the beach, but we weren't created for the beach. We were created for the ocean. We were created for the kingdom of God. And the only way that we can really be full is to deal uh, with integrity, with the greatest problem that we have, and that is our sin nature, our sin nature that separates us from a holy God and leads us toward pursuing things that are not of God. The good news is God loves us, and in his love, he sent Jesus, who was without sin, to become sin for us to die on the cross and to be raised again so that anyone who calls on his name will be saved, will be transformed, will be changed. In all of our churches, there are many of you, you recognize you're empty and you need his filling. You're a sinner and you need his saving. You're lost and you need to be found. You're searching and you know he's the one you're searching for. Today, I challenge you, call on his name, turn from your sin, repent, call on the name of Jesus, and when you do, you will be changed, you will be new. All your 
your sin will be forgiven. And that's why you're here today. You know it. You can sense it. Today is the day of your salvation. All of our churches say, yes, forgive me, make me new. I need you. I'm empty. Would you fill me? Save me from my sins. Lift your hands high right now all over the place. Just lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer. Up here and up here, God bless you guys. And over here, both of you here together, praise God for you. Over here, both of you on this section, right back here toward the back, God bless you guys. Up here, somebody ought to cheer. Both of you right over here saying, yes, God bless you guys. And over here as well, Church Online, you click right below me, right back over here in this section. Others today say, yes, me too. Jesus, I call on you. Would you all pray aloud with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me new. I believe Jesus died for me, and he rose so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you with the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody cheer and worship the one true God who makes things new through Jesus Christ.